1: All right, it is good to have you with us with that sound. You know it is the Unfiltered Band. Another episode of Unfiltered as our trade deadline countdown continues. Of course, you can keep uh, posted with uh, all the ongoing Zach Casey Stern on Twitter. And uh, you can follow, uh, as, as creative as I am, at least. I mean, you know, our next guest is like Madonna, except reverse. He just needs a last name. Uh, what, there weren't enough fine. There's too many Sterns in the phone book, Mark Fine Sand. They didn't have enough fine sands that you just, you just locked down fine sand on Twitter?
0: Yeah, you know, people don't believe me when I say this, but. My family is the only fine-sand family in America. There's fine scenes. Are you serious? I have fine-sand for my emails, my Twitter. I've been able to get it because we're it, and uh, my dad hadn't taken it already. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: Fair enough. I want to delve into the deadline, obviously, in a number of different ways. Let let me start with this. The the wildcard format obviously changed years ago as we watched it the way that buyers and sellers work and how close to the deadline things can change because it's so tenuous, right? Everybody's still in it. The Red Sox have been just playing terrible baseball. They're only three and a half out of of where we sit now. How much does that make the last day or two before the deadline really where we learn most of what we're about to find out? Is it really that much game to game Mark from when you talk to execs right now, the rest of the next four days?
0: Yeah. I mean, I spoke to a whole bunch of execs the other day and every one of them said, They don't expect a lot of movement until Monday. Uh, You know, most teams are going to take the weekend, see what the weekend series looks like, see what the standings look like, how many teams are in between them and the third wild card, uh, and then sort of reassess. And, you know, the one thing I think these teams have to also take into consideration is not just can you get to the third wild card, but if you get that third wild card or the second wild card or the first wild card, is your team built? Uh, well enough to be in a position to take down the Yankees or the Astros, to take down the Mets or the Dodgers. Uh, because some teams, the benefit of getting a playoff spot is great. right? You look at Seattle, haven't been in the playoffs since 2001. Just getting there is going to be an accomplishment, and that's worth going for it. For the Red Sox, who have won four World Series in the last 18 years, getting the third wild card spot and getting bounced, how much of a benefit is that versus – Making some moves and trying to build yourself better for next year and beyond. So there's a lot that goes into it, but I do think that it will take the weekend, as you know, the extra wild card spot has certainly, uh, you know, added to the mix in terms of of being a buyer or a seller.
1: Especially with your the ability, you might not even get any home gates if you're sitting there as the third wild card now, right? And a lot of times you say, okay, maybe we'll get some playoff tickets sold. You might not have any. You mentioned Seattle. I want to get into Soto and talk about that sweepstakes, but. For me, when I looked at this a week ago, and it seems like it's been a year, but really it's only been seven to ten days. This whole I mean, it's amazing, right? The whole Soto experience of him being available and turning down the contract. They were the first team that jumped to my mind because of what you said. You know, last year we saw Alex Anthopoulos with the Braves down here in Atlanta make great moves, but I go back to him making 10 player deals to try and get Toronto into the postseason. They hadn't been there in two decades, and what that meant for that franchise at the time. How active does Jerry DePoto, who's Trader Jerry any, anyway, how much do you expect him to be aggressive, Luis Castillo's, the Sotos of the world, because of what you just said? Because for them, it might be a different thing just to even get in and say we were a playoff team this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Jerry's one of the most aggressive GMs, anyway. So uh, you add in the 21-year postseason drought, I'd like to correct you. It's been 13 days since Juan Soto. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. And it only feels like 13 months in my life. Not like you're Uh, counting. (laughs) I mean, you know, it was the Saturday of all-star weekend. I remember one of those, do you remember where you were when this happened? I remember where I was when this happened. So, um, you know, I think the Mariners are certainly going to be one of the more aggressive teams. I think the Padres are certainly going to be, you know, if there's a national league version of of Jerry DePoto, it's AJ Preller. Um, But, that doesn't mean Soto's getting traded because, uh, you know, my understanding from talking to teams is the Nationals are looking for the moon, the stars, the sun, the clouds, everything in between. Uh, basically they want, uh, I think Jeff Passon put it, a dollar twenty-five on the dollar. And that's a lot, even for Juan Soto, because, uh, you know, if you're going to mortgage the future to bring him in, you still got to make sure you can contend in those two and a half years with him. Um, it's a really – difficult and complicated deal to put together in this shorter period of time i'm not saying it can't happen uh but a lot of execs that i've talked to said if this isn't done by monday if he's still a national on monday chances are he's going to be a national on wednesday because uh, you know mike rizzo is not going to feel the pressure of a deadline to make a deal he doesn't think is the right deal when he can take him into the offseason with two more years of control and try to trade him then
1: And with more teams available in the mix who don't care about the rest of 22, right? I mean, you could see, look, we've seen Boston, Chicken and Beer, then all of a sudden they could spend money in the offseason, right? Ben Attendee was a rental, left field all of a sudden open. What if you lose Judge? Then you could go after Soto, Texas, a bunch of other teams who might be closer to the precipice. The thing about Seattle, and I wonder how much this plays in because we forget about the business of baseball. They've got an all-star game coming up next year. And we just saw the two stars of the all-star weekend outside of Pujols, in a different category, probably J-Rod and and Soto. They could hit left and right, back to back, even if you don't re-sign them for the next two plus years. And you could have them on your calendar and hosting the All-Star game. That's why for me, it's like Seattle has so much there. The question is, how many of these teams like, for example, Mark Seattle or Hamstrung with, I've only got top prospects that I'm willing to deal or at least an amount that I could trade and I can't get Castillo and Soto. I have to choose. Do I go for a bat who can't pitch and then maybe make the angels mistake as circa Anthony Rendon, I would say, for example, when they lost out on Garrett Cole, how much is, is that a decision a lot of these teams are facing because they only have a limited number of high-end prospects to move
0: and you can't really get maybe two high-end players. Yeah. Even the deepest farm systems out there probably don't have enough to get Soto and Castillo. So uh, yeah, I think if you're looking at a team like the Yankees, would Juan Soto look good in pinstripes? Of course he would. They need Luis Castillo of a lot more than they need Juan Soto. And I think whether it's Castillo or Montas or if Rodon becomes available, you'll see the Yankees utilize prospects. Maybe not Anthony Volpe, maybe not Jason Dominguez, but maybe Oswald Pereira. Maybe, uh, you know, who knows who it's going to be, but, but they're going to utilize prospects to add a pitching, uh, add a starter to that rotation, maybe add to the bullpen now that Michael King is out. Teams have to assess where is their biggest need. The Mariners have an interesting situation because, like you said, they do have the All-Star game next year. How much fun would it be to have Soto and Julio Rodriguez in the same outfield for the next three seasons? I mean,
1: you couldn't have It's worth it to even if match, he doesn't right? sign, Mark, to me, hundred, right?
0: I, see, that's the one interesting thing. The Nationals have been all about to make extend Soto. If not, we're going to trade him. The teams that are looking to acquire him don't necessarily have to think we have to sign this Thank match. you. This isn't, this isn't trading for a guy with one year left. And you Thank say, you. You know well we have to sign him or else this was a bad deal no two and a half years or even if it's in the off season two more years of control that's plenty for for this kind of a trade and you give yourself the advantage of having him in your ballpark having him in your clubhouse trying to sell him on your culture your future your players uh and then obviously you have to write the big check at the end of the rainbow but i don't think a team that acquires soto has to be thinking we can only acquire this guy if we can extend him because there's so much time in between now and his free agency.
1: Yeah, I want to follow on that quickly just because I think here's, and and I'm so in agreement with you, and one of the other things that, Mark, people don't factor in, if he's dealt now, let's say you take a run this year, just take Seattle, for example. Next year, you utilize the All-Star game and the the money financially from a business perspective, right, beyond the baseball things we discussed that you make off of all that. You could sit the following offseason and have Juan Soto with a year of control left who's probably still as good, if not a better player. And guess what? You might, at the time, who knows what teams are involved, recoup exactly the amount that you dealt and almost get him a year for free. People don't look at it that way because it's more of a stock market scenario than baseball. But there's enough time where you could get the Rays could trade for Juan Soto, in my opinion, and then say, no, there's no way we could pay him. We'll deal with the arbitration. And then after next season, we can move him again. I mean, he will be 25
0: after next season, though. You're starting to get Oh, I mean, game, right. right? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I agree with you. And it's funny that you mentioned the Rays, because they were a team right off the bat that I said, don't rule them out. I'm not saying they're going to do it. They have a deep farm system, but we know how they operate. But they're not a team that's completely out of the question in terms of acquiring a guy like this. Like you said, he's making $17 million this year. So he's owed about, let's say, $5.5 million, $6 million for the rest of this year. Next year, arbitration, that goes up to... Let's call it twenty-five million. The Rays can afford every team out there can afford one twenty. Especially for outlier, one year. Especially Juan Soto for one year, right? After that, let's say he gets to about thirty. So you're looking at a deal, even if you pay him through the rest of this arbitration process, you're looking at getting him for two years and two months for about sixty million dollars. How many teams of the thirty out there, twenty nine out there, let's not count the nationals, would sign Juan Soto today as a free agent. For two years and two months and $60 million. The answer is all of them. So the idea that any team out there can't make a deal for Soto because of the finances is absurd. Whether they're willing to give up the prospect capital is another question. Uh, And like you said, you could sign him, you could play him for this year and next year, call it $30 million, and then trade him that last year and recoup maybe not as much as you gave up, but a good portion of it.
1: Yeah, you know, the part people don't think about is the value of a franchise, because we don't live in those terms. We're thinking about trading assets and players, but it's like when Jim Crane was like, you know, suspending A.J. and so sorry about everything in that one press conference. I'm thinking, like, do people realize how much money they made off of that World Series run? The following year, here in Atlanta, they're no longer the we wait for the postseason. They're selling out. People are showing, those things happen. The amount of money, if you went on Padres, if they go and, they're not going to win the division this year, but let's say next year, beat the Dodgers with Soto and made one run to get to a World Series even if they lost you probably recoup the whole money that you would be paying so people don't ever
0: look at it that way I want to take those terms and go you know what tiny. Casey and one one real yeah, quick on that if you think about it that's the one thing the Nationals never got to do they won the World Series in that's right their following year was the pandemic year where there were no fans in the stands and so you wonder How might finances be different with that team? How might things be different with that team? Ownership could be different, right? They might not want to sell. If they had gone into that 2020 season as a regular season, pandemic never happens. The Nationals go out there. They raise the banner in front of a sold-out crowd on opening day. They have their ring ceremony. How different might things have been for them? They never got that that victory lap season where season tickets go up and everybody's loving the ballpark and everybody's coming out and they're having, you know – uh fan appreciation day here's a, a replica that's right of a ring and right a of course of, of steven strasberg's mvp trophy and they never got to have that and so uh i wonder how much that impacted where the nationals are right now
1: yeah i want to take the, the same kind of and stay with this for a second because uh, otani first of all i to explain this to people and anybody would take a call on anything the 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 way that i i depict this in like human terms for people like us There's nothing worse than moving. Anyone who's ever done it, it's the worst thing ever. It's a pain in the neck. When you get all those boxes unpacked and you're sitting eating pizza on a floor with no furniture yet, you're thinking, I thank God we never have to do this again, honey, right? If somebody were to call you 10 minutes later and say, I'm now about to, if you, right now, if you hang up and start packing all over again, I'll give you twice what you just paid. We're all doing it. And all of a sudden you're moving again. So you're taking the calls. How much from what you hear, is it anything more than that? Because that's what I'm curious about. Are they doing anything in terms of engaging and being curious on the Angels side other than just fielding all of these offers for Otani?
0: No, probably not. My understanding is that they are willing to listen, but it's going to take the same type of package that it's going to take to land Juan Soto with one fewer year of control. Um, If I'm the Angels, I'm moving Otani. You know you're not going to resign him when he's a free agent in, in a year and a half. Uh, You know this team, as it's currently constructed, is not going anywhere. And right now, the value for Otani going into this uh, stretch run, you're talking about two pennant races, two postseasons. That's great value for a guy who can do what he can do on the mound. And at the plate, Uh, I'll go back to my buddy Jeff Passan. He had a a very fascinating uh, little item in in his column the other day. Player A, Player B, and he compared Otani's numbers as a hitter and his numbers as a pitcher to Max Scherzer this year and Matt Olson. The two of them combined are earning, I think, sixty-four million dollars. Otani's earning like what five? So he's the most valuable player in the sport in terms of what he delivers for the amount you're paying. The Angels could get an absolute haul for him, and the only question is whether or not Artie Moreno is going to allow that to happen because he knows what Otani means to the fan base. He knows what Otani means to the bottom line uh, in terms of advertising and tickets and all the rest of it. But from a baseball standpoint, there's really no argument against trading Otani.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on the baseball. Exactly what you just said is dead on, because what I have said is if they don't move him and I don't think he gets moved, it's because of, of business. It's not baseball. And. What I wonder is, and and I hate hearing it because, look, I mean, you know, growing up and watching it happen to Donnie, to Don Mattingly, covering it with David, with David Wright, these back issues, you never know what you're in for. You know, hopefully we haven't seen the best of Mike Trout in our rear view and whatever's left, but you and I both know, I mean, that's hours a day. It's constant. It's a different kind of thing. Does that change this at all? Because if you moved Otani when Trout's healthy, it's, hey, we got the best player in baseball. We stink, but there's your sales pitch. If Mike Trout is not going to be anywhere near Mike Trout, and this is a serious issue with this back, to me that would make you think, Mark, maybe you're less likely to move Otani because you'd
0: have nothing to sell to your fan base anymore. I'm going to flip it the other way. Maybe it makes you more likely to move Otani because if you know that Trout's decline is coming, if you know this back issue is going to be an issue going forward, you're not going to hear for the next three or five years you're wasting Mike Trout's prime. Mike Trout's prime could be behind him if this back issue is a Mattingly or a David Wright kind of issue. I don't know that it is. Yeah, we don't know. I'm not reporting that it is. You'd like to think that the Angels medical staff has a pretty good grip on what they're dealing with. And if Trout is not going to be able to be the same MVP caliber player going forward, well, maybe Otani, this is the time to move him. Because if you know that Trout's going to be diminished in 2023 and beyond, or certainly in 2023, which will be the last year he'd be with Otani go out and get yourself a hall of of young players to try to build around uh, in the process. Remember, Don Mattingly was the best player on the planet. The Yankees didn't start winning until he retired, and they had this core of players with Jeter and Bernie Williams and Rivera and Posada and Pettit, uh, and and that's how they ended up going on their run. Mattingly was there for the first year in 95, but he wasn't there when they were winning the championships. Uh, It would be a crime for the same thing to happen with Mike Trout. But if you're the Angels and you think there's a chance, I think you have to entertain it.
1: I thought that news snuck in – if that's not during the deadline and that's during the dog days of August, that's a way bigger talked about thing because of what he means to the sport. Because you and I both, these back issues, you, you, there's no, it's not like with Tommy John. Okay. And there's no guarantees, but here's the timetable, right? So, you know, even if I'm Johnny Venters or some of these guys, heaven forbid, got to go through it again. I know what, here's what you do. The, the back, you have no, it's, a, it's a wait and see. So hopefully fingers are crossed that the Mike Trout will be okay. Uh, let me go to, to, the top end of it with teams as I sit here with my unbiased nature right now, uh, talking with you. Cause I mean, look, we know each other too long. Uh, a, 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 in the pop-up video from Mark Feinstein, the, uh, the man who I sat with the first time my, my son Lucas was ever at a hockey game. Um, probably had no business being in a building that
0: loud, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I want to sure ask any of you- us have had any business being in a building that loud. <laughs> not good for the ears. It's fun, but it's not good for you. <laughs>
1: The Subway Series is two games. It doesn't. It was great and fun, and I think we should look at it that way because it was fun for the sport. It doesn't mean the Mets are better than the Yankees or the Mets are anywhere. Here's, here's my question because they're a very good team, and they look primed to have that it factor too. And Edwin Diaz is – you can't talk about enough how important he's going to be if he's this good in the postseason. If DeGrom is a healthy DeGrom when we see him, is it fair to say they might be the favorites – When they get into October, because I'm looking at it, I'm trying not to be biased, but I'm saying as long as they avoid a wild card, because I do think that's important. Let's say they win the division. If I'm the Mets and I've got DeGrom and Scherzer,
0: I don't really care what you've got. Is that overstating it? No, not at all. I think the minute they signed Scherzer, that was my first thought is how is anybody going to beat this team in a playoff series? Because in a a seven-game series, you're probably throwing those two guys five times. How do you how do you beat that? I mean, unless your pitching just steps up and you win a two to one game or a one nothing game, or you somehow get him out of there, the problem is if you get him out of there after seven, Diaz is warming up. And, That's uh,
1: right. Or the and, other one. If it late in a series, you're probably looking at one of
0: the two coming out of the pen. Right, right. So yeah, I mean I think they have to be the favorites going in. Not to mention Taiwan Walker's having an outstanding year as well. Carlos is having a nice year. Like they are deep. So You move one of those guys into sort of your long man, your swing man guy. And if somebody has a hiccup, okay, we'll bring him in now. Uh, I think you have to look at the Mets if DeGrom is healthy as being a favorite going in. That said, I had a conversation with somebody the other day who said, how are you ever going to beat a team with DeGrom, Scherzer, and Walker the way he's pitching? And my answer to that was, well, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz won one World Series. So uh, it happens, right? I mean, those are three Hall of Fame pitchers you'd say that was actually maybe a better threesome than, than the trio that the Mets have because Taiwan Walker is not a hall of famer. Um, but it happens. So uh, are they unbeatable? Uh, of course not. They can be beaten like any other team can be beaten. Um, but they certainly will, will be a tough out uh, and a tall task for any team going into a short series. If those guys are both healthy.
1: Let me do some two for you on the Yankees. i will let you run. If the first one, <laughs> you know, and and I, I I laugh and preface this because the way I've been explaining this is and you're, you're not, as you know, people on Twitter, no matter as much as you slowly try and explain something, they will they will hear what they want to hear. This is not political and vaccines aren't political. I don't what if you don't like the vaccines, I don't hate you. Right. Listen, it's nothing to do with that. To me, the idea of the Whitmerry Field premise, which was followed by all the royals. Of, I'm not getting a vaccine because it's my principle, but if I go to a better team, I'll get one, is incredibly aggravating to me and unbelievably insincere. Was there ever a true fear from the people you talked to in trading for Benintendi for the Yankees or anyone else in the American League that he wouldn't go ahead and get vaccinated? Was that really something that other teams were worried about behind the scenes?
0: No, and I'm still not 100% sure he's going to get vaccinated. I know there have been reports out there that he told the Royals that he would do it if he got traded. That's not true. Royals officials told me that was never part of the conversation. And and from the get-go, even when the Royals were sending uh, you know their team to Toronto without 10 of their players, teams were still in on Benintendi. I reported that two or three weeks ago that AL East teams were still in on him, even though he was not vaccinated. So... This was not a concern. The Yankees have one more series in Toronto. The only way this really becomes a huge issue for the Yankees is if they wind up playing Toronto in the postseason and and is still not vaccinated. Beyond that, even if he doesn't get vaccinated, you can handle three days uh, of playing, you know, Stanton Judge and Hicks in the outfield and and just dealing with it., uh, maybe he gets vaccinated, maybe he doesn't, but uh, You know, like I said, unless we look at a playoff series where a major player is forced to miss time. Let's say, what happens if the Cardinals and the Blue Jays make the World Series and Arenado and Goldschmidt can't play in the games in Toronto? That's going to be an issue. Um, But barring something like that, I just don't don't think it was much of a factor in the minds of any team that plays outside of Toronto. Obviously, the Blue Jays have to take that into account. For them to acquire an unvaccinated player would seem to be a silly concept, but uh, for the teams that have three games, even six games left, uh, it just wasn't factoring into their decision-making.
1: I want to ask you something. I'm trying to talk to as many people in the industry and have covered the Yankees specifically, as you have obviously in time in your career, uh, on a day-in, day-out basis, about as much as we could feel the pulse of – The pressure when George was around and I I said this the other day when I was talking to Sweeney in a podcast like people think it's urban legend when I say to them like you would read the paper and George would be telling because every other person in my family is a Yankee fan and I would laugh because I'm reading out to them out loud that he's he's apologizing for how much we suck like to the like people think that didn't happen like that was real that was tangible pressure in a way unlike anybody's ever seen before you don't really hear about it as much. And cash kind of, you know, buffers a lot of that with with being, you know, very much kind of matter of fact and, and you don't feel it. How much do you think it exists to a higher level than at any point maybe th- since George passed? I don't know how you put a, a quotient on that, but when you think about the Red Sox knocking them out, the 60-game season where Brasseau beats Chapman, how good they are, the judge situation right now, is this as much, you think, in the next four days behind the scenes pressure as, as a Brian Cashman's felt at a deadline in a long time to make
0: sure that he gets what he needs down the stretch? Well, I think based on what they've done to this point this season, the expectation level is as high as it's been, I'm going to say, since 2009 maybe. right. I mean, this team is, is performing at such a high level. Even with this last couple of weeks, the little hiccup, 5-10, and, and 15, et cetera, uh, I think the expectation level is that this team is good enough to win it all. And even in the years where they've gotten to the playoffs over the past 10 years, I don't think they necessarily went in thinking – we are the team to beat. Right now, some people would look at the way the Astros handled them and say, well, the Astros are the team to beat because they handle the Yankees. I still think the Yankees believe that push comes to shove, they're the team to beat. Now, Luis Severino's injury situation certainly has created a a hole in the rotation that Brian Cashman will likely try to fill this week. Michael King's uh, season-ending surgery, same thing in the bullpen. So they're dealing with a few issues on the roster right now uh, that weren't there two weeks ago. So you've introduced some new, uh, you know, factors into their deadline situation that Cashman's going to have to address because the expectations aren't changing because Michael King got hurt or because Luis Severino's hurt. Uh, you know, bringing in Benintendi to basically take Joey Gallo's spot uh, remains to be seen whether Gallo gets traded, released. I don't know what's going to happen with him. The only thing I know is uh, I don't see him getting a meaningful at-bat for the Yankees in the postseason if he is still on the team. Um, And, you know, there are are things they're going to have to address, but I think top to bottom, they look at this team and say, if we can make the necessary tweaks, and we're not talking about Juan Soto here, but he could be talking about Luis Castillo, this team's good enough to win it all.
1: Uh, On the way out, uh, a 30-second finish. Uh, Can you play right wing? Uh, Because there's a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, what's funny is no one's had to take you away from working the trade deadline because you already know, at least you know what your, the name of your football team is now. And your hockey team doesn't make any moves. So you really have been able to totally lock in.
0: No, the hockey team just fires coaches after they have nice, successful runs. And the football team brings in quarterbacks that uh, my friends mock me about relentlessly. So it's uh, it's been a great run in the other sports. but uh, Oh, and I'm a Nick fan. So I really, I just have... <laughs> I'm just sort of hopeless when it comes to the teams that I root for as a fan, but uh, we'll we'll go in and uh, we'll see what uh, what the commanders can do. I just want to see Chase Young healthy and back on the field. He's so much fun to watch when he's when he's playing. That's uh, my, my hope for this year is that they take a little step forward. Chase Young looks healthy, and we can see why he was the number two pick in the draft.
1: Uh, somebody who roots for all bad teams wearing a med hat because they're the team I trust most now that I root for <laughs> is the scariest thing I could possibly ever tell you always appreciate it. My friend, thank you so much for the time.
0: You got it, buddy. Take care. At
1: Casey Stern unfiltered at fine sand. Stay with us as the trade deadline conversation and countdown continues.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.